Father's Day no longer has to be ordinary once you bring home the nonstop action of nobody. Bob Odenkirk stars as an ordinary dad turned lethal vigilante, and his fight for his family can now thrill yours with never-before-seen bonus content, including deleted scenes. From the writer of John Wick, Nobody is yours to own now on digital and on 4K, Blu-ray, and DVD today, June 22nd. Get yours today. Support for the Bronx Bomber Babble podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Gentlemen, shaving your downstairs area can be difficult, but those troubles are a thing of the past with Manscaped's Lawnmower 3.0. Featuring skin-safe technology, it glides nice and smooth so you're not in any danger of nicks and cuts to your delicate downstairs area. It also has a convenient LED light so you can see where you're trimming, plus it's waterproof so you can use it in the shower. I've been using mine for a few weeks now, and it's awesome. It works great, and it will totally change your grooming game. The Lawnmower 3.0 comes included in the Perfect Package 3.0, which also includes the Crop Reviver and Crop Preserver anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. Get all these great products, as well as a super comfortable anti-chafing boxers, plus a great travel bag to carry it all in. The Perfect Package is valued at over $150, but right now you can get it all for just $89.99. Manscaped features some of the perfect gifts to give to the men in your life. Gift your friends, your family, and yourself the gift of Manscaped. Right now, when you go to manscaped.com, you can use the code BABBLE and get 20% off plus free shipping. That's BABBLE, B-A-B-B-L-E, for 20% off your order and free shipping. Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. And we are live for the 90th episode of the Bronx Bomber Babble podcast. I am your host, Matt Luz Luigi, and tonight... Luigi's not here because, once again, he's having a job. So it's me, Andrew, and G. How we doing, fellas? We're here. We're existing. <laughs> that sounds about right. Andrew's existing. G has one hand. Um, life's good. <laughs> G <Yeah>. has <laughs> one. Has, has <laughs> two less hands than the Yankees can turn outs at one time. <laughs> Yeah, the Yankees um, have more triple plays in the last week than the Diamondbacks have wins in the last, like, month. Down the road. No, 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 no. And also in the last month. They're like, they are 5 and 39 or something like that in their last 44 games or something. It's wild. Chase, can we get those guys at the Bronx, please? Yeah, exactly. Petition the office of the commissioner to change the schedule pronto. <laughs> um, anyways, I this mean, past they're weekend, arbitrarily changing a bunch of other shit in the middle of the season, so why not that? This mm. is true. Um, this past weekend, the Yankees had, honestly, one of the weirder series I think we've seen because he started out on Friday losing to the A's 5-3 to three in a game that was pretty much classic... Yankees just not knowing how to hit the ball and blowing the opportunity because of that. Um, they were up three to two and going into the sixth inning. Um, Tyone pitched pretty well, honestly. He had he some could have been hiccups. worse than his previous time. Exactly, he could have been worse. No, you, um, you, you literally could not have pitched worse than he did in his prior outing. So. Yes. Um. And then Wandy Peralta came in to relieve him in the fifth and then was brought back out for the sixth and completely blew the entire game when he gave up a three-run home run to power hitter Tony Kemp, um, which if you you know hadn't followed the A's before this, you might actually think he's a power hitter because Kemp hit two home runs in the series which doubled his home run count on the year. So that was fun. Um, and the Yankees in total had four hits on the entire game, which one known power hitter, Tony camp, 
One of them was a two-run home run by Lomeyu, which was his fifth in the third inning to tie it. Uh, the others were just singles by Judge, Odor, and Urshela. So, like, overall, kind of just a lame loss right there. And then they turn around, and on Saturday, I would argue this was their best win of the year. And... Well, considering the comeback, uh, they definitely had that win in Tampa earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe there was... a. Um... A similar comeback just a few weeks ago. Yeah, but it's escaping. Oh, they did have a good one against Toronto as well, but but just considering how well the A's have been playing this year, mm-hmm. and the fact that they looked dead in the water up until pretty much the fifth and sixth innings, I would say that this was one of the better. This was at least one of the better wins they've had all year, just because. They not only came, you know, they came back to tie it in the seventh inning and then went ahead in the eighth, which it was one of the, it was one of the more fun games to watch on the entire season, just because, like I said, the A's have had a fantastic year so far. They right now, let me see, they are losing, but overall the A's and the Astros are tied for first in the AL West as of the time that this is being recorded. The A's are 44 and 29 on the year. So they've had a good year. Um, and for the Yankees to pull out a win like that, I think was really important for them just because you don't want to lose two in a row to a team like that because all the momentum would have been lost going into Sunday. Um, right. They had fi- and this is exactly what they did a couple of weeks ago, right? They started building some momentum. Mm-hmm. And then they backed it up by going to Philly and no showing. Yeah. And then it kind of felt like, oh, well, we, we weren't even, well, let, let me take a step back. We were three outs from sweeping the twins. The wheels fell off on mm-hmm. Chapman. And then you lost yeah. two more in Philly. Just when it seemed like they had started to turn a corner, we were right back down in the dumps again. And then you go to Buffalo and you sweep destroy, the Jays there. And you the think game, like, yeah. well, is this it? But after Friday's game, all of a sudden, and it's then, fr- and then Friday, same shit. Yeah, same thing happens, and it—that's what it seemed like this whole entire season. It's like building some momentum, playing well for a good stretch of time, and then all of a sudden, they just have a series that they just get the wheels—the wheels just fall off. So the fact that they managed to follow up the Jays' sweep with this series against the A's was huge for them, I think. And the but the bigger thing is tomorrow going out there and actually getting run support for Cole. Because they have their best pitcher pitcher they have their best pitcher on the mound against the Royals tomorrow. They need to actually perform. Because especially with the Red Sox coming up this weekend. But um Andrew you mentioned that you know they almost swept the Twins. And then Chapman just completely blew that one up. And yesterday, he looked like he was basically on the verge of doing the same exact thing because he faced two batters, walked them both, threw a ball to Sean Murphy, and then all of a sudden the Aggies turn a triple play and win the game. In a game that, if I'm being honest, neither team really had any business winning. Because there was a total of seven hits in yesterday's game. Yeah, it was so just so boring. It was a very boring game. The first inning, Olsen hit another home run. Um, and then in the rest of the game, there was a single by Garcia and a triple by Matt Chapman. And that was it. I mean, the A's sprinkled in a few walks here and there, but they did nothing offensively. Montgomery gave up the home run in the first inning, but otherwise he looked pretty good. Loisega looked really good. Licky looked good. And then Chapman came out, walked two, and got the miracle triple play, which I think one thing that really has not been talked about lately is the fact that Chapman really has not looked great for a couple weeks now. Because he had this... This game yesterday, the day before, he 
had to work a Houdini act in the ninth inning to win to close down Saturday's game. And then he had a few just kind of old Chapman looking outings where he just didn't look like he had any idea where the ball was going. And he was successful, but it's still you still kind of stress a little bit. And then, of course, there was the outing in Minnesota, which I would imagine kind of started derailing him. But he just he doesn't look like he did in the beginning of the season where everyone was wondering, is it, is anyone going to ever get a hit off of him? Yeah, well, I mean, Chapman goes through stuff like this. All, all relief pitchers do, but Chapman, you know, it's not ever going to be like it was hopefully back in 2017 where he was so down that they, you know, had him pitching the seventh inning. But, like, yeah. he's, you know, he's a little flaky sometimes. He gets gets a little erratic, you know. He, he You know, he throws a lot of sliders often when he is um, – you know, not comfortable with his stuff and, um, you know, not locating well. So, you know, he might be in one of those little funks right now. But um, Yankees defense is obviously elite and unbeatable. So <laughs> Exactly. Uh, it's hilarious, too, because all three of the triple plays are carbon copies of each other. Man on first and second, hard ground ball to Geo. He literally takes one step and he's on the bag, round the horn, triple play. It, it literally looked exactly oh, the same. Andrew, are you aware of what the one in Toronto looked like? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> You're right. Didn't the um, A's turn a triple play against the A's a few years ago in Oakland? What, in Oakland when Sabathi was on the mound, but that was in like... I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> Same yeah, I know you're right. You're right. The one, the one in Buffalo was was bad. The one in Buffalo. It, that, was, that was the Vlad Guerrero. Yeah, uh, the one in Buffalo was like a was like a five three one six three. The point six. is, it was still started. They were all three started by Gio. That's what I was getting at. So screw you. <laughs> Anyways, you had an opportunity to call me a casual, and you missed it. So I think you did that yourself. <laughs> Um, but yeah, anyways, this series against the A's was very, very important for the Yankees season. And I think that if they can build momentum off of this series and off of the Toronto series, they're in good shape, but they have to beat the Royals this week with who just took it to the Red Sox, just took it to the Red Sox. Yeah, that's fine. But before we stop talking about triple plays, I'd like to nominate the Yankees triple play against the Orioles like a handful of years ago as the best one because that was like oh my god every every infielder touched the ball like twice at least. Yeah. <laughs> All I remember it's is like Kevin Euclid being like part of four, that. Yeah, four, uh, that's all you need to know. Three, four, six, five triple play against the Orioles. Like weirdly enough, that's the only one in Major League history. <laughs> Yeah, imagine that. <laughs> what of of that combination? Yes. Wow, you don't say. Yeah. Oh wait, um, I, I, hold on a second. I have it here. Uh, in April of 2013 against the Orioles, I, dude, I think we were at that game. Actually, we were absolutely at that game. Yes. Four six five six five three four. Triple play. I just remember Cano like smiling, like like he just won the lottery. Yeah, off exactly. The which in his defense, uh, that was when I Kevin Euclid was on the team. Yeah, the, Alex already said I, that. I just said that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my bad, bro. Um, get this guy out of here. Get him out of here. Him and his one and a half hands. <laughs> yeah. So, so obviously, no one knows what we're talking about. But, <laughs> gee, would you like to explain? Does it have to? I mean, not really. Okay. <laughs> my hand is broken. Freshly. He did it from punching a wall. No, that's I, that's actually. If, if there's anyone in, in in here who would actually break something in their body from doing something stupid like that, it would be absolutely me. I mean, the fact that I actually that haven't need to be said. We all know that. Yeah, the fact that I haven't broken any bones punching a wall, couch, TV, table, anything like that in my life is 
Yeah, he takes it out of his personal belongings first before he takes it's, it out. It's always my phone, spoiler alert. As the man who threw his phone onto the ground like eight times watching the Nets game the other day. Oh, come on, man. Come on. We. <laughs> I, thought, I thought we were going to... All right, all right. So, so real quick, Fs for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, and that's all we're going to say about that. Next. Moving uh, on. I broke my Anyways. hand making a spectacular diving play in a softball game. All right, all right, didn't make all right. the catch. Didn't make the catch, but the dive was spectacular. That was a spectacular dive. Take it easy there, Tony. <laughs> Tony. I was going to say Tony Quinn, but it wasn't a spectacular outfield there. The dive uh, was spectacular. Maybe Kenny Lofton? Yeah, yeah, there you go. Anyways. We've thoroughly digressed. Onward. Um, the Yankees are playing the Royals. Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And the Royals just took two out of three from the Red Sox, which, you know, is good for the Yankees just because the Red Sox lost two out of three in a weekend the Yankees won. More importantly for the Yankees is that Tampa Bay has lost six, in a six row. games in a row. Mm-hmm. They just got swept in Seattle, which... Which, man. of course, they took out their anger on the rest of the league by recalling Wander Franco, so, mm-hmm. you know, it's not all good, but... Well, the Rays well, also lost their best pitcher, best starting pitcher for who knows how long now, so... Yeah, that's also and look, we're, we're definitely going to get into some of that um, later on in the show, just the the absolute insanity going on in Major League Baseball with the the checking of foreign substances and immediately one of the best pitchers in baseball gets hurt and, and his immediate reaction is blaming that, which I get. He was, yeah. he openly admitted that he was using sunscreen, but yeah. Sun, if you're, at this point, it's awesome, right. Yes. And look, if, if major league baseball is going to, to go on this war against it. I mean, first of all, it's it, it's their own doing, right? They they alter the baseballs consistently, and then they got mad when the offense fell off, so they took it out on the pitchers for doing their jobs. But I, I, mean, right. I mean, I'm I'm worried that we're going to get more injuries like that throughout the course of the season because yeah, it's like, a matter of guys being able to grip the baseball, and then you do different things, mm-hmm. like you all have a coping mechanism. You all go out and have a catch. You know, you have a couple, a couple of baseballs sitting around. Like, do you always grab for the one that's like beaten to hell and rubbed up with dirt or anything like that? You grab the fresh one. Like, you always grab the rubbed up, like dirty one because there's a, there's grip on that one. Like, I was yeah, watching, exactly. believe it or not, a thirty minute video by Trevor Bauer who just discussed it the entire time, and he was like. You know, they have this policy, you know, the tradition or otherwise, you know, where they rub it up with mud. He's like, that's just idiotic. Like, it's just doing it for the sake of tradition because you're, you know, yeah, it's it's wet, it's mud, but then it dries, it becomes dirt, it becomes dust. Like, it doesn't contribute to grip for the ball in any way. In fact, it might often make it worse in some kinds, and it's inconsistent. But, so. but you don't get it. Grip means grip means higher revs, which means more movement on the pitches, which means offenses going down. And that's obviously exactly what they tried to do. And then when everyone bitched and complained about it, they acted like it wasn't originally their their whole I mean, idea like and doing time, to begin with. Second time within basically two years now that they overreacted to the scrutiny of something right last year it was the ball where people are just like why are there so many home runs being hit and they're just like feigning ignorance like oh i don't know but i mean you know we didn't do anything to the ball but maybe we should like fuck around and change it lo and behold like you know that's not working out and now they're like you know i think it was bauer again who said you know they said they weren't going to do this or they weren't going to change the rules or, you know, do something like this in the middle of the season and the outcry gets too great and they're like, oh, well, fuck, I guess we have to do something about it right now. Like, Yeah, these guys better better riot. Uh, and there's, there's obviously the CBA's up after this season and I, and I wonder how much this is going to stall things. I mean, uh, that's a conversation now, for, for a different day. Yeah. No, I, I do agree with you, Andrew, on that, though, just because I think there's so much that has happened already and it's only June but there's so much that has happened with MLB and what, how they've tried to handle this entire thing that the players' association and the players themselves are going to have a lot 
of opinions and a lot to say when it comes to the CBA negotiations. And I think that it's not going to be pretty at all because there's so no, many things. Be. No, and, I, mean, I don't and, think there's a yeah, person whose exactly. opinion I've heard that's, you know, a reporter or whatever who's around the game that doesn't agree that, like, it's going to get really fucking ugly when they actually have to sit at the table and negotiate with each other. Yeah. And look, put it, put it this way. I know I'm thinking way ahead here, but since MLB announced crackdowns or that they were going to very soon begin crackdowns on pitchers using foreign substances... Yankees have won five out of six games. I don't know if there's any correlation there. Probably not, but they've beaten two really good teams, um, and and their pitching has obviously taken a step back, but so has the rest of the league, and that's allowed our offense to potentially get a little bit. I, again, it could just be total coincidence, but it makes you wonder, right, if if our pitchers are cheating just as much as everyone else, but everyone else cheating is what was really holding our offense down more than other teams, then that's a trade-off that, I think we'd actually be okay with, right? Well, it's definitely curious because the Yankees' offense, traditionally, you know, with with the construction of this team over the last couple of years, especially, but like, you know, the Yankees being the Bronx Bombers always hit a lot of home runs, and you know, with all the changes that were made to the ball, cutting down on the amount of home runs, and you know, with Spider Tack and whatever other, you know industrial strength construction materials or god knows what people were using like you know you could you could hold your palm flat facing the ground and this stuff would just like the ball would not fall it would stick straight to your hand like um who was it who that, that video that was circulating online i don't know if you guys there was saw a, that. yeah there's a picture a couple of days someone ago doing that. someone's like i i caught a foul ball and look and he was just like holding his hand just hovering yeah. over it right and the ball was defying gravity and just sticking to his arm or his hand. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Lindsay Adler posted a picture like that too. But yeah, yeah like... I don't know if that guy brought in Spider Tech and you know set that whole thing up for show, um, and totally misleaded the, you know, misled the public online. Which would be but who's wild. to say? I mean, that completely made MLB change their own rules like that. Well, it was after they'd already announced that they were going to do some stuff. I but know, but it, just... it was, but it was like you know to push a narrative like, look. Look, this is what it actually does. Blah blah blah. Like, like, imagine caring that much to to do that. I, I mean, I get it, but I mean, it's like I'll, I'll I'll say this. I think, you know, I mean, there's a few reasons. Like, the Yankees' offense probably will improve because this stuff is going away. Because even though they might not start hitting home runs, because like the other, if the other ball is still in play, like, you know, they were looking pretty bad for a while. So if pitchers are losing RPMs and all that stuff, and that'll definitely help, but, like... Yeah, but it also would... It'll also bode worse for the Yankees pitching as well. Right, which... but I think... that That's kind of what I'm saying. I think that's still a trade-off that we would still make. I, um, yeah, I would definitely still make that. Because... Knowing that our pitching is going to be worse, and we're going to have to cope with that, mm-hmm. but if we have some shade, some semblance of our offense coming back, then we can overcome that. Yeah, exactly. Well, and especially just because of someone like Cole, who has been at the center of this whole thing, but against Toronto, he was throwing 100 mile an hour fastballs in the eighth inning, and there's no amount of in cold weather, of, might I add. Yeah, it was it was cold no and windy. amount of any type of substance you can put on a ball that's going to make you throw 100 miles an hour in the eighth inning. Yeah, no, it's so going to cut down on movement. No, so exactly. it's easier so the to hit. good pitchers are still going to pitch well. It's not going to make, you know, DeGrom all of a sudden become Tyone. It's just going to cut down on the complete lack of offense that there has been throughout. No, no, but but look, that's a great point because you look at a guy like Garrett Cole, you look at a guy like Jacob DeGrom, you look at a guy like, hell, I'll even say Shohei Otani, right? Mm -hmm. He's looked really good this year. Um, Pitching, obviously, what he's doing offensively is speaks for itself but good offensively? um what is he good offensively I, he's, I, he's, he's right he's right okay. yeah said a couple home runs um <laughs> I, I don't really think it's anything worth writing about. yeah but, not, uh, not, but, not but my, my point is what, what a name that just pops into my head right now uh and by no means do i have a vendetta against this person <clears throat> i definitely do um nick pavetta right like that's a guy <laughs> who got cut by the phillies because he's just 
generally not a good pitcher, right? Has been phenomenal for the Boston Red Sox this year for no reason whatsoever, right? So it makes you wonder, is it going to impact the guys who literally only are relevant and decent in, t- in this year yeah. because of that stuff? Now, do they drop off a table? If so, awesome. Now, we've seen it a little bit with maybe Domingo Herman was using some of that stuff too because he hasn't looked great. Um, that's a trade-off that we'd have to deal with, right? But if it means that we're not getting absolutely shut down by every garbage pitcher we face on a weekly basis, it's still worth it, right? We have yeah. to deal with it one every five days, but the benefit to our offense is four out of five days or something like mm. that. Like that's absolutely a no-brainer. Yeah, exactly. No, I, um, I definitely agree with you on that. And like, you look around the league, there are a lot of guys like Nick Pavetta who are having weirdly good seasons. Look um, at a guy like Garrett Willock, who, who yeah. the Red Sox got from us in the Rule 5 draft. He's like one of their best relievers. Yeah, exactly. The guy has like no major league experience ever, and then he's just suddenly yeah, awesome. He's a Rule 5 draft pick for anything. Yeah, if they don't hold him onto the roster the entire season, they have to give him back to us, even though he's yeah. already done what he has for them this season. They're going to hold him on. Of course the they are. That, that's the thing. It's, 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 yeah. You're committed too deep at this point. You have to. Well, and so another another guy, how you were talking about Pavetta, another guy I kind of look at in terms of like stuff who that just kind of went way up is Kevin Gosman. Yeah, because, and even John Means too. Right? Yeah, he's. I mean, he John but... Means though has been. He was good, good. but like he he guy threw no hitter this year. Career, but he has right, not. He, he threw a no hitter and he he was a dominant starting pitcher. Exactly, it definitely elevates guys in in yeah. the mid range. We're talking about the top line guys who who become almost unhittable. Mm-hmm. But they're still going to be elite when they're without. Exactly. Yeah. Guy, like we say, guys like Cole and Grom are still going to be very good because they're just very, very skilled pitchers. Mm-hmm. They're just not. I mean, Degrom is otherworldly. So if anyone still manages to put up the numbers that they did before this, it would be Degrom. But we've seen Cole's numbers dip a little bit after this, um, especially you know the start. Um, against the Rays that Donaldson called him out for, but you know that's neither well, here nor there. That's the the thing that you know people have been saying, right? Like everyone uses it. Glasnow, Bauer, they all said it. They're like, you know, your players on your favorite team are using this, so no one's going to say like, hey, you know, it's not like they, you know, they stuck it on their neck like Pineda, like, but they all have it in some way. And they're not going to be like, oh, go check that guy, because then the very next time your guy goes out there, the, the opposing manager is going to say the exact same thing. Like, it was the right move for baseball to say, like, hey, you know what? We need to crack down on this stuff. One, because it's, com- you know, providing a very, like, significantly unfair advantage for the pitchers. And two, just because it's in their rule book, and it has been for years. Like, yeah. it just looks stupid of them to be like, oh, you know what? Wink and like, wink, wink, nod, nod. We're just, you know, you guys just go like go wild and do whatever the fuck you want. Like, I don't think the problem is that they're doing this. It's that they're doing it mid season, that they have just totally arbitrary suspension rules. Like, the Houston Astros cheated their way with video to a World Series and not a single player. And granted, their, their, their manager was suspended and then ultimately fired their GM was fired. Right. But not a single player on that team was suspended. If a guy comes up from triple a and uses any type of substance, right. For one day, he's suspended for 10 games immediately. Right now, for that guy, he's probably worth it because he's going to get major league pay for 10 days. But, uh, it's just the thing. There's no, there's no logic between what they're doing. No, it's just totally, totally panic move, like based on you know fan and media and and scrutiny. They're, they're they're caving to the angry mobs, right? People are saying, "Why are you letting this happen?" But ultimately, I don't care that that these players are using substances because they've been doing it all the time. And you hear a guy like Aaron Judge say, "Yeah, I don't care if they're using it or not. It's my job as a hitter to go up there and produce." So even the the the, the hitters are aware of it. The, the bigger problem is that this is a reaction to what the real problem is, is that they alter the ball this year. And, well, then, and the pitchers are paying the price for doing what a, they're normally doing. A layer of this that's a problem for me is that, like, you want to be like, hey, you know what? You can't use spider tack or you can't use, like, you know, glue or whatever. It is, like, spider tack is, like, 
you know, the stuff that the world's strongest men use to pull cars. Like, it's ridiculous stuff. Like, but are you gonna you're gonna tell them that they can't use like sunscreen? They give them a rosin bag on the mound. You you can't like. You know, the Yankees play most of their games in the evening, so, like, whatever. But there's teams out there who play a lot of games during the day. Like, you know, players wear sunscreen. You tell them that they can't use that? What's, yeah, what's going to happen when, when, like, when how is the the skin cancer rates go up in 30 years? Are they, is there going to be a lawsuit on Major League Baseball like, for not letting them use sunscreen? But this is something that Bauer said. He's like, how, how are the umpires going to tell? Like, are they going to have to all, like, sit in the class and be like, if you put on sunscreen and then grab the rosin bag, this is the level of stickiness that it's going to provide and how you have to differentiate that from like just someone that. just presenting themselves from dangerous UV rays. Like. Yeah. Like readily available <laughs> substances rather than like an industrial strength construction glue. Like it's totally, it's, it can totally change from umpire to umpire. And like, to, and to, you know, like, and you know, I think it was, use, I think it was, um, you can't even use power like, too, right? Pointed out that manage certain umpires who don't like certain players can just, you know, have a vendetta and just have like, they woke up on the wrong side of the bed that day and just arbitrarily take out their frustration on a certain guy just yeah. because they have that power now. Like that, that's shitty. Like it's, it's, you can tell they didn't think about it. You can tell they were just like, oh, fuck, like, well, people are getting mad about this, so let's, we have to do something, let's just, you know, let's just come down on a cold turkey, like, that'll look really strong and whatever, like, you could tell they didn't think about it, because this and, is And this like is the that. problem with, you know with mob mentality. It's sunny. I'm gonna wear sunscreen today. Like. No, you're you know, not, you're you cheating. Can't do that. Yeah, you can't do that, you're cheating, you're gone for ten games, like, it's just, it's just idiotic, like. They're going to have to streamline something if it's like a pine tar rag that all pitchers can access or, or something, right? Right. Like solution that, the... that they can all agree to. Yeah. Like it's just annoying, though. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, right? Like you couldn't, you could have just waited another two weeks or a month or whatever, be like, hey, you know what? Here's our plan outlined. You know, you can use this, right? You want to wear sunscreen? You know, just whatever. This is the process the empires are going to go through XYZ. Like, but they didn't do that. They were just like, oh, fuck, people get mad about this. Let's just, you know, do, you know, this over-the-top reactionary thing. And now they look, like, really fucking stupid for it. All right. Well, I think we've uh, we've beat this horse to death here. Um, and certainly as we get more updates... Over the next few weeks, we we can have some some additional commentary here. I think Jacob Degrom actually got checked out mid game today. Um, I believe there was, no, there was there was no issues there, but like they literally made a point of of checking him. I know they said they have these like compliance officers in the dugout, but I mean, what the hell are they doing, right? Those guys can easily probably be paid off too, like if if the players cared enough. Like that's they why nothing. They should be third party, but it's Major League Baseball, so yeah. Like, but even so. Uh, Nothing really came of, of that whole DeGrom issue today, as you would expect. But ultimately, you know, we're, we're starting to look at the calendar. We're recording this June 21st. Trade, the, trade deadline is not really you know, coming up too fast, but it's also not that far away that we can't talk about it. Um, Luigi had, had pointed out some of Cashman's quotes in, in our last pod that they're definitely going to go out and get a center fielder, maybe a pitcher. Uh, the Yankees obviously have a huge hole in the outfield right now with Aaron Hicks after the year and Brett Gardner again, once again, signed as a bench player playing a regular role. Clint Frazier, for whatever reason, doesn't get to start anymore. So the Yankees clearly have a need for an outfielder. Um, if this is the area that they go and we think that it probably will be, who are we looking at to potentially bring in for their second half surge? I'm pretty sure the only answer is Cattell Marte. Otherwise I'm totally cool with Aaron judge playing center field. Like, but actually. (sighs) I don't want to see judge in center field.
Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. Like, I I don't get why. Like, what happened with Clint Fraser? Unless they're finally just being like, you know, he's not hitting, so, you know, you know, we're just gonna do it by committee or whatever. It just seems a little like they stuck with him this long, and he was actually hitting a little bit. So, see if you can't go with it. But they also. Yeah. And there's no there's no commentary from Boone, right? Like, what it is it's not a matchup based thing. It's just what what, what are they doing? It's weird because they were so close. I mean, I don't know unless it was like an organizational thing or something that came down from on high. But a couple weeks ago, what were we hearing? You were hearing that you know Clint Fraser might even get a shot in center field here and there, and he was really excited about that. And, you know, it's it's no surprise that Judge, because Judge actually has a little bit of experience doing that, so, like, that he would get the first crack, that's totally fine, but it's just a very abrupt change, and I don't think one that would have been entirely brought upon by Miguel Andujar being adequate in left field and starting to hit a little bit. It just seems a little strange. He definitely was starting to hit, but I don't know. You You kind of dance with the people you brought to the party, right? And Cashman even said, these are the guys we have on our roster. We still believe in them. This is the bed we made. We're going to lay in it. And why are we playing these guys? I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm much, it's a little strange what's going on with the roster right now. And, um, I mean, it's it's just weird. Like, Aaron Hicks being out has made the Yankees' outfield so weird. Whereas it would have just been, even if he was hitting like 240, right? I feel like there would have been a much higher bar to, to cross to be like, oh, we're going to sit down Aaron Hicks, right? Based on just history and his under contract and all that jazz, right? You would have just been like, yeah, Aaron Hicks. We're just going to keep running him out there. And then you he was frustrating to watch, no doubt. But oh, he was awful in hindsight. In hindsight, what we have now, uh, I would take him in the lineup, you know, eight days a week. I'm not sure I would, honestly. I'm I'm really not so sure I would just for the the consistency. Like, I still think you're not going to sit down, judge, right? He's still going to get all the at bats he needs. But are you going based on what we were getting? Because based on what we're getting, I would honestly rather put. Frazier and or Andujar in the lineup. Yeah, but Gardner played way too much for a while. I would. I would. Yeah, I I would. I'd roll the dice with with one of those two guys. And. um, Yeah. And otherwise. It's very exciting to note that Luke Voigt will probably be back. Even though Chris Gittens was someone that I have kind of a really irrational like and support for. Well, listen, let's be honest. Let's just let's just cut the shit right now, right? I like Chris Gittens too. The real reason you like Chris Gittens more than anything else is because he displaced Mike Ford. Like, can, can, can we just acknowledge that? Right? All right. <laughs> Few Here's, people hated Mike Ford I, more than you do, and that's fine. All right, but just, okay. Like, I'm not even going to say that Mike Ford sucks, even though he sucks. <laughs> there um, it is. I will say that Chris Gittens was doing really well in AAA, and it's a Yankees, like, I don't know, critical character flaw that they stick with people that they know far, far longer than they ever should, you know. Tyler Wade, honestly, is benefiting from that right now, and he's performed better this year than he ever has, so, like, kudos to him. But, like, you know, the Yankees just stick with people, and they could be really bad, but they do stick with him. And uh, Chris Gittens was performing really well, and, you know, he got up. He had a little cup of coffee the last couple weeks here, got a couple hits. His first hit was a home run, and that was pretty awesome. And... um yeah, I don't know. I mean, Luke Voigt, if he doesn't get hurt again, you know, you probably won't see Gittens again for a while, but, like... That's the big if, though, right? Just because I think you go back to February or March, you ask most Yankee fans, 
who's going to be the most impactful bat in this lineup outside of you know, DJ like, and, and Judge. Really- I think a lot of people would say Luke Voigt because the guy led the major leagues in home runs, albeit in a shortened season last year, but he still led the major leagues in home runs. And now he's played a collective, what, seven games, I think? Maybe a little less. Yeah, he didn't do anything. And, and it's it's he hasn't had a chance to get in any rhythm. And obviously, we've seen the production. Uh, moving DJ to first base has helped a lot in in recent weeks. But as of what a week or two ago, the Yankees very clearly had the worst offensive production among say, their first basemen about- in all of Major League Baseball, and like it wasn't close. It, it, it's funny because the, the a funny layer to that, you'd be like, oh, moving. DJ to first base helps the offense. Like he's been really mediocre, and you're moving a guy who's hitting, you know, whatever last year. He's hitting 100 points less than he hit last year, and that's an improvement at first base. That's how, you know, those two positions, center field and first base, you know, two positions that are generally viewed as like really important offensive production positions. The Yankees have gotten jack shit from both of them. And yeah, and I don't want to jinx it. But DJ has definitely started to turn a corner lately, so uh, let's let's hope that that's more encouraging moving forward. And segueing seamlessly, speaking of encouraging moving forward, Gary Sanchez has been really, really good lately. And not even just to the point where someone had put, you know, maybe phrased it like this on Twitter, where they're like, he's kind of moving to the point where it's not just like, oh, he's having a good stretch. It's like, oh, he's actually putting together like a good season. Yeah. And there, there's definitely another side to that coin. And you say, oh, well, sample size, show me him doing it through August. But. Uh, it's definitely encouraging to see Gary. I don't want to say back to his his self because, again, I don't know if we'll ever see 2016, 2017 Gary Sanchez ever again. I don't know if that was a fluke, if that was just him coming up without any any data for the league to you know watch a video and expose him. I definitely think he can still be a good major league hitter, but he's been a lot of fun to watch of late and finally we're getting an impact in the middle of our lineup from him again, which we sorely, sorely missed. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a weird, I don't know. I mean, how can you ever really predict a guy to go from, you know, 20 home runs in a month and a half to, you know, Last year, when he was batting whatever 150 or whatever it was, he was batting like 140 for most yeah, of the year. Yeah, like it's also, it's, hey guys, I'm back. Hey, my mic yeah, decided to break, so I apologize, but I'm back. It's all uh, good, man. Need your two minute annotated thoughts on Luke Voigt, Chris Gittens, Rob Manfred, and now Gary Sanchez. Um, okay, Luke Voigt, all that one, <laughs> one breath. All right, here we go. All right, Luke Voigt's going to completely remake the offense. Chris Gittens was nice to have up, but he kind of sucked other than his home run and the single he had in Buffalo. Rob Manfred's the worst commissioner MLP's ever had. And Gary Sanchez has been lighting the world on fire. Nice. Cool, nice. Very good. We're all caught up now. And, um, yeah, dude, I mean, I know there's a segment of the fan base. Someone wanted to chime in with their cough boomers cough people listen to the fan etc etc like people like to just like knock gary it's sanchez. not even boomers at this point the, the gary sanchez thing there's was so was the people. so many people who just gave up on him and to be honest like, look and, and i'm not going to blame you if you did give up on him because there's there's a lot of glaring red flags that would have led you down that well right so the defensive miscues the outs on the bases the fact that he would look like he didn't care when he struck out in a big spot which i don't know they've said multiple times that no one cares more than Gary, but like I get it, right? And a part of those people who also were anti-Gary are people who are very anti-analytics, which I sympathize with a little bit too, because I think analytics has a place in baseball, but it definitely is abused by people who, let's just call spades spades, definitely didn't play baseball growing up, and they want to act like they're they're smart and part of, like they know more than 
people who actually you know have their pulse on the game. Yeah, um, having, so having I, like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry if I offended to... someone of our listeners, but like, let's be honest. No, the analytics, <laughs> like analytics and different statistics and stuff is good. Is all good stuff when you're trying to analyze a player's performance. But at some point, you just gotta actually watch the game and look at him, and you can just tell by like how someone is swinging the bat whether or not they are in a good spot. But you and... don't get it, Alex. The expected weighted on base average. Um, is the only stat that matters. Um, our, our, buddy Andrew, Noah, our buddy honest, Noah has uh, has another. If I'm um, being honest, I've right. seen stuff like expected weighted on base average used a lot. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> it's basically factoring in uh, hard hit contact and um, luck. You know, so it, it it's a way to try and look at someone's strikeout so 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 look at someone's strikeout rate their walk rate and their hard hit rate and be like they should be better than they are but it's the same thing we've talked about on this podcast like with um what is it expected batting average too right like a home run is a home run right so if the ball travels 309 feet clears the fence right i don't care that the expected batting average on that is 075 it went over the fence it's yeah. a thousand it's it's, it's actual well, okay, batting average is 1000 there was like, one i forget um what it was but there were, i feel like it was in texas where someone hit a ball and the expected on base percent or the expected average on it whatever crap it is was like 890 and it's like okay cool good to hear still wasn't out then yeah, and, and the problem with, with the expected batting average is it doesn't take into account the ballpark that's being played in, yeah. and it doesn't take into account where the ball is hit. It's just exit velocity and launch angle. Mm-hmm. Like, if you hit that, you know, 108 miles per hour off the bat with a decent launch angle, but it's you you get some topspin and it hits right to the center field, it takes two steps back and catches the ball, like... I don't care that the expected yeah, the batting launch, average tells me that hits seventy five percent of the time. And the exit velocity is one hundred and twenty miles an hour. You still hit it right at the guy. Yeah, like that. It's, so this is our our our, our mini swaggy of um, yeah. analytics can suck, and people who relied on it to say that Gary was still elite. In this mm-hmm. case, they ended up getting lucky, but they were still wrong for saying that everything yeah. he did wrong is. I, He's turning around on his own merit, not because exactly. of analytics. <laughs> so, and honestly, one thing I've noticed with Gary, the la- not th- not even this whole season, but within probably the last month, is that he's kind of completely redone his mechanics at the plate. Because if you watch him, he's a lot more balanced at the plate, and he has pretty much completely gotten rid of his giant leg kick that he always would do right before the pitch. He kind of just either has a small step or just like a medium like puts his leg up in the air and then uses that to balance himself and i think that's really really helped because one thing that was so obvious when he was struggling last year was he would always have the gigantic leg kick Hmm. and then pitchers would just mess with that and throw off his timing and he would have no idea how to do it how to come back after that I'm and, so glad you said that. Like, look yeah. at a guy like oh, I don't know what to say. Look at a guy. Like, I was thinking of the type of pitcher who would mess like with Gary his timing. I was, no, 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 the a type of pitcher who would mess with someone's timing is is Nestor Cortez because he has like 85 different deliveries. But what I was gonna say was I'm glad that you you mentioned that he looks like he's getting his timing back and he got rid of the leg kick. There's only one thing that any Yankee fan can think of when they saw his game winning two run double on Sunday. Like, w- what does that remind you of? Game uh, four of the 2017 ALCS. It's the carbon copy. The same mm-hmm. swing, the yep. way he timed it up, and the line drive, and where it yeah. landed to. It's literally basically the exactly the exact same hit. And, and 2017 was the best season he's had. Yeah, it was so the only full season he's really played without injuries. Um, but yeah, that's that was so encouraging to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I just think the last few the last few weeks or so, seeing the way he's hit has just been very encouraging because he's honestly pretty much been carrying the offense. Yeah. I mean, you think about it, without Sanchez's double yesterday, the Yankees don't score any runs. And he's been hitting home runs all over the place. He's actually been hitting the ball with authority, and he looks like he's trying to get hits instead of just crush the ball. And like you said, the double yesterday was huge because that was not him trying to hit a, 
the fastball in the outside corner over the Yankees bullpen in center field. Taking what the pitcher gave him and just going with it. Taking what the pitcher gave him and going opposite field and just driving the ball. And when he's hitting his best, that's exactly what he does. Which I feel like that leg kick that he adopted or, you know, bad habit that came about or however it came about was him just like, you know, falling victim to or maybe some weird analytical thing or, you know, whatever. It's just like, hey, you know what? All my home runs go out to left field. Let me just try and sell out and just try and. Like, I, I don't throw. even know. I don't even think it's that because he's had that leg kick around since he came up. In yeah, I think oh, I think part of it was um, an adjustment. Like yeah, he needed I, I, at honestly, the time when I he first instituted. If you look at when he first came up, he had a leg kick, and then um, going into 2017, he had the same thing, and he kind of kept his mechanics the same way. And then 2018, I think he kind of adjusted it to kind of keep that leg kick and make it larger because 2018 he struggled a lot more so and if you look in game two of the ALDS against the Red Sox the home run he hit off David Price his leg is a foot off the ground right before that so old habits die hard right (laughs) what was that I said old habits die hard yeah exactly and then last year or not last year in 2019 I think he kind of just stuck with that and it worked for him for the most part up until probably the last month or so of the season when he really started struggling a lot. And then in the playoffs, it kind of showed up for him. And then last year was just a disaster. So I think teams really started understanding how to start messing with his timing. And now that they don't see that he has the leg kick, it's a lot more difficult to pitch to it because the guy, either way, he's a fantastic hitter. Like nobody's going to, argue that he knows what he's doing when he's hitting and how to hit it's just he did not have timing for pretty much an entire year and his timing was the reason he hit so bad last year and you could see that whenever he was batting he was way out in front of everything or he just was not hitting he was not squaring up the ball he just yeah and and then your mechanics start going to shit when you start overcompensating yeah. for other things but at the root of it is timing you look at a guy like Gleyber Torres when he struggled earlier this year his mechanics were just dog shit right oh, like yeah like his swing is off he his approach is way off he's swinging at pitches that he normally would would spit on and then he's everything was backwards, right? Like he used to shorten up his swing with two strikes. It wasn't doing that much anymore. Like Gary, it was just a matter of, he was out of, out of sync. Mm-hmm. And when he's, when he's locked in, it's like what we saw with Stanton. You know, what it was it in the beginning of May when he was white hot? Like you just, yeah. when, when everything lines up for you, it, you, you're unstoppable. You mm-hmm. literally can't be broken. In it. Yeah, and that's the one. And that's the thing. It's just it's human nature, basically, to make an adjustment when thing isn't when something isn't working. So if your timing is off, especially when you're swinging, you're gonna make an adjustment to try and get your timing back in sync. And I think Sanchez is just a case of it's no over overcorrecting and then not knowing how to get back to what he was. And I think this year, and especially in the last. You know, basically in the month of May up in and June, he's refound his timing. And we'll see whether or not this continues because obviously he's not going to be hitting three forty for the rest of the year. If he does, then I think we'll have <laughs> he to, will, yeah, who knows? Like <laughs> if he does, I think we'll have competition for uh Otani for MVP and Andrew will have to <laughs> eat his words. But that one, I mean, what, for, for, for saying Otani was going to be the MVP, Otani's the, the MVP, yeah. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I inadvertently picked him to win it at the beginning of the year, not because I thought he would do what he's doing, but just on the basis of hey, he hits, hey, he pitches, no one else yeah. does that. His collective well, war is going to just have a, a huge mm-hmm. advantage from that alone. Well, and you saw in 2018 for the Rookie of the Year voting, there was a lot of bias towards him just because nobody had ever really seen that skill set since, you know, Babe Ruth. Even though he only pitched like nine games. for Yeah, even year. though he was injured for half the year, he still won Rookie of the Year because nobody has really seen a true two-way player that is as much of a star as Otani is. So I would imagine if he manages to keep this up the whole year, he could hit 
seven more home runs the rest of the year, have 30 on the year, throw a, you know, say a mid threes ERA, and he'd win MVP. He could be god awful the rest of the year. He'd still win MVP, I think. His ERA alone is already in, in what, like yeah. the top 25% of yeah. Major League Baseball. If he, can ma- if he can maintain his ERA, basically, I think he wins. It's a, it's a landslide because he's already hit 23 home runs this year. Is that good? Oh, well, it's tied for the Major League lead, so I think so. Also, like so two times good. as many as any Yankees hit. Pain. Eh, not really. Judge has what fifteen. Yeah, but he he got there early on. It's kind of mellowed out. I it's mean, still wild when you yeah. look at, at at the Yankees. Um, I I should have pulled it up before I went down this rabbit hole. But you look at some of the the key contributors to our offense the past two or three years, and they all have single digit home runs still, right? So Glaber, Clint, uh, DJ, even. Hey, mm-hmm. hey, Glaber and DJ only. Glaber and DJ having a combined eight home runs between them is wild. Dude, man, Glaber is, like, is a hitter who has no idea. Did you just say Glaber? No, I didn't. That's Luigi's bag. Okay, it <laughs> sounded like you said Glaber, and I was about to call you Luigi. No, 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 no. That's 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 that casuals thing, not mine. <laughs> Uh, Glaber, I feel like, is just a player who still has no idea what he actually is as a hitter. Like, he hit, he hit like, 38 home runs. He tries to be the Mike Trout of shortstops when he's up at the bit, up at the plate. He hit, he had had a a big number of home runs in a really early season, and I feel like it just, like... Even his rookie year, too, he hit, like, 20. After hitting, like, 20 home runs combined in five years in the minors. He thinks that's what he's supposed to be. And he's not a power hitter, though, and we saw that in 2019. Nobody expected him to be hit 38 home runs. No, like they didn't think he would do that in the minors, right? No. They... no, everyone, when Glaber was coming up, he was supposed to be the type of guy that did every single thing well, but didn't excel in any type of thing. So he's the type of hitter that throughout an entire Which right season, now I think we'd take in a, in a heartbeat. Yeah, no, he's the type of hitter that ideally, using the skill set that he has, he would hit something about 270 280 with like an 850 to 900 OPS maybe 20 home runs drive in a decent amount of runs play solid defense and yeah i mean his defense actually has been really good and for- i will say that his defense has improved a lot this year no don't you know the the narrative is he's still better suited at second base and the Yankees are Throwing away the season by not having him at second base. Who are you going to put it? Okay, so throw him at second, put Geo at short, and put Lomayu at third. Yeah, yeah obviously. Dis- or or trade or trade Luke Floyd instead of. Yeah, DJ Lomayu, the Gold Glove second baseman. The Gold Glove second baseman should be playing. First no, base. well then, well then we shouldn't have re-signed him. I don't know. These are all. Oh no no no! no. Dog right. dog You're shit right. takes put I've DJ seen. Put DJ at first. Put Odor at second. Glaber, or put uh, Odor at third, put Geo at short, put Glaber at second. That way you're misplacing that sounds like four suicide. people. You're pl- misplacing all four infielders, none of which are having good years, except for maybe Geo. And one of them is terrible in Odor. That sounds like a great idea. <laughs> The understatement. Welcome of the to Yankee's Twitter. It's, it's like <laughs> depressing for me anytime Odor is part of the game story at all. Yeah, really it doesn't annoying. feel right. If I'm being honest, like Odor has contributed an, a little bit this year, but first of all, we just all have to agree on the fact that he's not a good player at all. At all, he's at all. very, very <laughs> bad. He has power, and that's the only thing he has. He and was if he ring. wasn't costing us, costing us literally nothing, I think he would have already been cut. Exactly, and he's a no. The only the another thing that's the only reason he's still around is because he's left-handed. Jesus and God. I think that the Yankees are hoping he just goes off on a tear and starts hitting line drives into the short porch, which he's never day. done in his career. Which he's never done in his career. He's only hit like he was three the guy, more. the Rangers' top prospect, who we were like. 
every year for like six straight years. Like this is going to be the year, the Rugnet Odor breakout year, and each year he yeah. just got worse. Like I feel like they had the Rangers actually had that with him and Mazzara. So that's just dude that's had, purgatory. The dude hit thirty home runs one year and had an on base percentage like two fifty at the same time. Like you have to be a special type of terrible to <laughs> have an on base percentage of two fifty throughout a full season. And It'll the Rangers only so kept bad the that I so... honestly would prefer that they get rid of him and keep Tyler Wade on the roster. Tyler all right, Wade. so 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 look, look, with with all this being said, and sorry to steamroll you there, Alex, but. Yeah, we, we had kind of got that. into the, the, the trade deadline as an option. I think it's a good place oh, to wrap up wanna, tonight. you want to bring um, your choice for... No, 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 no. If we, we already discussed outfield options. Uh, actually, we didn't really name any names. We just said that we kind of have to roll with what said we have tell, right now. No, I said to tell Yeah, I just don't see how they, they could get him. I don't love him. I don't think they would because... But I my point is, like, if you're going to displace a guy like... Like, look, let, let's just let's say what needs to be done. Obviously, they got to cut Odor, but he's, he's making no money. And if they haven't done it for Tyler Wade right now, Wade or, offers a little bit more versatility, though. Wade, yeah, so actually, then, Wade offers a lot of versatility. And he's surprisingly, hard. when we talk about Tyler Wade, he offers the ability to hit better than one eighty-five. So yeah. then, what's our what's our move at the deadline? Cut Odor and profit. Um, from here, from here to there, you would say Luke Voigt comes back and is good and or doesn't get hurt again, and then you can focus on the outfield. Yeah. No, and and that's exactly it. You put, you know, Voigt's at second. You have DJ or Voigt's at first. Voigt's at second. No way. Voigt's at second. Uh, Voigt's at first. DJ's at second. Glaber's at short. Geo's at third. Wade is the. Yeah. Utility infielder. There you go. And then you, you don't need Odor. The... With Voight coming back, the Yankees do not need Odor. I think, thank God. They don't need him even without Voight coming back. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, they've they already cut. Because he... he stinks. Yes, but the thing is, with Voight not on the roster and Wade still acting as utility infielder, they need a, you know another infielder. I mean, I don't know. I just. I honestly you think can they up, the you can bring up anyone from Somerset, which is double A, I know. You can bring up anyone from, like, anyone from. Oh, Hoy Park, he's been raking in triple A. What's that? I said Hoy Park's been raking in triple A. Yeah. Yeah, like, even though he's only been there for, like, a very little while, like, well, o- it, Odor it, contributes so little. Like I said, I think the Yankees are, have just been kind of patiently waiting for Odor to have some type of magical breakout with his power. And this is when we were getting frustrated about when we were losing. It's because at a certain point, I understand patience. I also understand that it has a certain place. And when it's run its course, you got to recognize it before it's yeah. too late. And they, they weren't. No, they weren't. Especially since if they were still playing as badly as they were, you know, a month ago, right now, then we would be way more angry than we are right now, just because it is the, almost the end of June, mm-hmm. and and they would be playing with no urgency. But they're playing well right now, so I don't think they're looking at Odor and going, "All right, yeah, we need to cut him right away." And I'll say this as we start to maybe wrap this up in terms of like urgency. You haven't seen for a little while now, like the extreme clown lineup where he would have like Odor batting second or Odor batting third. Or the ones like... where he would, where Boone would have Odor batting third or cleanup were the absolute worst because I, I wanted to off myself. Yeah. And that was solely because of Odor's power, which well, no one's going to deny that the guy has power. Like he's hit some pretty long home runs with the Yankees, but that's all he's done. He hit, what, two home runs when they were in Cleveland. He hit a home run the other day. He's hit a couple others. I don't even know off the top of my head. No, he's the guy who should play once a week when someone gets an off day, and you hope that he just accidentally hits a home run that day. Like, yeah, exactly. 
what like, the Yankees used to do with a guy like Austin Romine. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he's he not the would. worst. He's not the worst type of guy to have off the bench because he's someone that, like G said, could accidentally hit a home run. Especially in Yankee it seems Stadium. like he's a good fit in the clubhouse. It seems like they like him. That's wonderful. Yeah. It's just that like they prioritize playing him for a while. I couldn't I give two shits about uh clubhouse well, this is, presence this is why you're right not now. a GM, Andrew. No, 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 I just mean like when the team's struggling, if you're you're not you're not on the roster as the twenty sixth man uh for clubhouse culture, right? Like Yeah. Well you gotta yeah. provide more than that. Mm-hmm. Well, so it's good that you haven't seen those clown lineups where, you know, Odor's batting second or third. You know, Stanton came back from injury in that time. And, you know, obviously you're going to move around the lineup. You have to have someone to move it around four. Like Gary Sanchez has started hitting, and he's been hitting third now, which is, I don't know, it's like a what year is it moment kind of a thing. Like it's kind of wild to see Gary Sanchez hitting third again. It's awesome is what it is. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it's it's great. But, um, like, you start to get to the point where, you're like, you know, saving Boone from himself with these just idiotic lineup decisions. But, like, if Voight comes back and is even, like, a fraction of what he was, you could start to really revisit the idea that the Yankees have, like, a pretty deep, albeit very right-handed lineup. Yeah, I do agree. It's just... <sighs> I don't know. It just Boone's lineup management in general just kind of gets me sometimes because he roll he rolls out the lineups and you just don't understand the mindset behind it. We could this is we we could have the moment right now where we make this into the meme where it's like Aaron Boone's lineup management, Aaron Boone's management, Aaron Boone like <laughs> the man. What? He just Did Alex, you follow any of that? Gee, I just want to say that. I know you are good with memes, but trying to vocalize memes, not your strong suit. Yeah, and and there's no image about what you're referring to. You just said words, but I can't picture anything. Aaron Boone's management. Aaron Boone's lineup management. Aaron Boone. Aaron Boone. Basically, what we're trying to say is Boone kind of sucks at making lineups. Oh, well, you know, you could have just said that. (laughs) I could have. Could have, but I damn sure didn't. Um, yeah, Aaron Boone sucks. Yep. All right. Well, <laughs> we, have, we have anything else? I think uh, uh, we we we've, lucky. I made a really... we've complained enough tonight about a team yeah. that's actually started winning. So <laughs> let's go and beat those really really mediocre Royals. Otherwise, we'll be back in a couple of days to complain some more. Complaining, and, and we'll be down bad again. Yeah. For Andrew, for G, and for Alex, this has been the Bronx Bomber Bobble. Oh, God, that was bad. We'll see you guys this week. (laughs) This has been the Bronx Bomber Babble Podcast. We'll see you in the future. Hopefully Alex is sober.